The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Well, the, the famous poet Robert Frost once, once wrote that the best way out is always through. But even once you're through with cancer, life doesn't necessarily return to normal. Cancer treatment has both short and long-term side effects. That's why it's important to create a plan with your healthcare team to help maintain your health and live well after cancer. Uh, one emerging concept that we're seeing is the cancer rehabilitation movement. Uh, these various types of programs are addressing the challenges cancer survivors face after treatment and are empowering them to play an active role in their care. Our show today is sponsored in part by Azi, Genentech, and Amgen. We're here to learn more about cancer rehabilitation with Jeannie Simard. Jeannie is a registered nurse with a clinical background in cancer rehabilitation and critical care. She is the corporate vice president of Oncology Rehab Partners, the developer of the STAR program, which stands for Survivorship Training and Rehab, a model of comprehensive cancer rehabilitation that is being implemented by hospitals, cancer centers, and private rehabilitation practices in over 40 states. Thank you for joining us today, Jeannie. Sure, Kim. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to speak about this topic that's near and dear to my heart. Great. Well, then why don't we jump right in, Jeannie? Um, let, let's let's uh, start with some basics and bring our audience up to speed. What is cancer rehab? What is considered under that title of cancer rehabilitation? And why is it important for survivors to have access to these programs? Cancer rehab is an actual type of medical treatment that addresses both physical and psychosocial issues and limitations that oftentimes occur to patients both during and after their cancer treatments. And it's, it's very similar to other forms of rehabilitation that um, survivors would be accustomed to, such as a patient that has had a stroke and they go to rehabilitation or someone who's had a hip replacement. And um, when it relates to cancer care, these services include consultations with appropriate board-certified or licensed clinicians in rehab medicine, and and that could be someone like a physiatrist who's a doctor that specializes in rehabilitation medicine. 
It could be a rehabilitation nurse or physical therapist or an occupational therapist or Mm -hmm. even a speech therapist. And the goal in going to cancer rehab is to really help the person regain control over their life. And, you know, at a time when everything is happening to them, they want to remain as as independent as possible. And um, the reason this is so significant is that that there are really, Kim, nearly 14 million cancer survivors today. And I think the the survivors themselves would attest that after their treatments are done, um, they still struggle with physical problems that they didn't have prior to their cancer diagnosis. And, you know, it really does have an impact on their quality of life. Well, I think you make some some uh, some very good points, and and um, I know we're seeing a, a lot of reports and other statistics, Jeannie, about how the fact that those numbers are only going to continue to grow. That there are 77 million baby boomers in the U.S., and that the uh, certainly the greatest risk factor for cancer is age, and so we're going to see some significant growth in the number of uh, cancer patients and cancer survivors and folks making that transition from being a patient uh, to uh, to being a Survivor, um, Jeannie, can we um, can we sort of pinpoint the origin of this practice of, uh, of cancer rehabilitation? I mean, you talk about the fact that this is kind of a standard model in uh, other areas of healthcare, um, but but uh, you know, from where or from whom did this practice of cancer rehabilitation uh, originate? How long have these kinds of programs uh, been around, and are we seeing them move more into the mainstream? The rehabilitation approach, actually, to the treatment of cancer originated back in the early 70s um, with the National Cancer Act. And back in the early 70s, the survival rate was about 50%. And so even back then, you know, the issues that survivors were facing were definitely recognized as important. And the National Cancer Institute came together and they determined that we really needed to focus on psychosocial support um, helping survivors have the best physical functioning, helping them deal with social issues and vocational issues like returning to work. And um, the the interesting thing is, you know, over those 40 years, uh, you know, we've done a great job of improving finding that cure for cancer. And we're seeing, as you mentioned, many more survivors. And we've made some progress, I would say, in the area of cancer rehab, but, but not mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Many survivors who really need rehab aren't offered these services. And, um, you know, I, I think, again, studies are showing that um, almost 90% of cancer survivors will have at least one impairment, but very few of them um, are receiving the care they need. So, you know, we have work to do to close that gap and making sure that patients get the care that they need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for our listeners just uh, uh, joining us, we're talking about uh, cancer rehabil- rehabilitation, life after treatment, and our guest today is Jeannie Simard. She's a registered nurse with a clinical background in cancer uh, rehabilitation, and she's with a, a group called Oncology Rehab uh, Partners. Jeannie, can you talk to us a little bit about what is a survivor care program or a survivorship care program, and, and what does it have to do with uh, with cancer rehab? What are the different elements of care that we're really talking about here? Sure. Survivorship care is something that has evolved over the years, and back in 2005, the, the actual the Institute of Medicine actually wrote a report, and it was called From Cancer Patient to Cancer Survivor, Lost in Transition, which mm-hmm. I think will resonate with people. Um, and, you know, the need to 
make survivorship care a distinct phase of cancer care was recognized because patients were you know, being told that they were complete with their treatment and um, and that was it. And they felt that, you know, and there was not a good transition to their primary care physician. So survivorship care programs were established to really ensure that, you know, both the psychosocial and physical needs of the patients were being met. And cancer rehab really fits nicely into the center of these programs because it addresses the physical impairments and the limitations that the survivors are facing. And there's been some studies that have shown that the emotional distress that um, survivors are left with is predominantly due to the physical issues that they have, and those physical issues impact their quality of life. And so, you know, when you address those physical issues, you also then um, address, you know, their their distress and their quality of life improves. And there are a number of things that come under the umbrella of survivorship care. Certainly cancer rehab is one. Um, there are other, you know, vocational type of support and supporting the patient, um, you know, with their insurance needs and, you know, psychosocial support. Um, but cancer rehab definitely helps in addressing a number of those things because, again, if you're improving their physical limitations, they can return to work. Um, it really is, as we say, fits right in the middle of that survivorship program. You know, one of the things we hear a lot here at the Cancer Support Community, Jeannie, from folks is that, uh, you know, gosh, I was, um, you know, my, my, my doctor has told me I'm cured from my cancer. So I guess everything goes back to normal now, right? <laughs> and, 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 and then folks are saying to us, actually, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't go back to normal. You're having all of these, you know, short-term and long-term residual effects of your, of your treatment and of, of just having cancer that, uh, that folks are having, you know, sometimes trouble focusing and some cognitive issues that sometimes folks have had some scarring surgeries and they're having self-image issues. And then another one that we hear quite a bit is a fear of the cancer coming back recurring, and then yeah. folks tell us, oh, my gosh, every time my, my, I have a headache, every time my elbow hurts, every time I, you know, I think that the cancer's back and that that can be really debilitating for some folks. Are these the, the kinds of issues that we're talking about addressing in, in rehab and in, in survivorship care? Absolutely. In fact, um, in, you know, you, you talked about this fear of recurrence, and it's not uncommon that patients may have um, certain pain that if identified early and, you know, with a, an evaluation, it can be recognized that that pain is due to, let's say, scar tissue from their surgery. But mm-hmm. what happens, and it's not uncommon, is a patient might go through a whole nother workup with expensive tests and the stress of waiting, right, waiting to hear, did I have a reoccurrence? Did, you know, my cancer spread? When, you know, we can avoid some of those things and some of those concerns if, again, we're evaluating patients early and identifying things that we can we can treat them for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeannie, we've got a couple minutes until our, our, our uh, first break here. I think we're getting into a really good conversation. I know we're going to drill down uh, a, a little bit more on some of these elements of what we're talking about here and a little bit more about, you know, what these rehab programs encompass. But um, is cancer rehab, is it something for people with all types of cancers, uh, you know, all stage of illness, all, all, all stage of cancer? Are there folks who we know derive a greater benefit uh, than others? I mean, who's really the target audience for a cancer rehab program? We have seen that it really can, you know, benefit patients with most all types of cancers, you know, staging, raging, excuse me, ranging from 
breast cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer, head and neck, colon cancer, I mean, the full gamut. Um, again, I think what's important is that it's driven by treating physical impairments and it's overseen by a healthcare professional. So, you know, there are um, sometimes when patients are sent to an exercise program at the Y and we would say, you know, that could be dangerous because they may have issues that a non-healthcare professional wouldn't be aware of. But a true cancer rehab with professionals, certainly all patients can benefit from. So these are, so the folks running these programs, maybe describe them a little bit. These are folks who've been specifically trained to deal with folks with cancer and what their specific issues and perhaps limitations are. Absolutely, and, and that's why there, you would see people such as a physiatrist, which is a rehab doctor, physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, um, you know, nutritionists, and um, psychosocial you know, social workers and, you know, nurses go through this training, mm-hmm. you know, a variety of healthcare professionals, but all licensed professionals. But all, but all licensed professionals. And I think that's important, you know, for folks to understand. We're not, we're not talking about a physical trainer here, you know, like you said, right. or, you know, at your gym. These are folks specially trained to understand the unique issues of cancer survivors, what some of their limitations um, uh, may be, and how to, you know, walk them through kind of a pathway towards, uh, towards healing and towards wellness through, uh, through and beyond uh, the cancer experience. This is, frankly speaking, about cancer. We're talking about life after treatment. We're talking about cancer rehabilitation, uh, survivorship care, survivorship programs to help patients make that transition uh, from being a patient to being a survivor. Uh, Our guest on the show today is Jeannie Samard. She's a registered nurse. She's got a clinical background in cancer rehabilitation and critical care. She knows quite a bit uh, about these issues. We've got uh, a lot that we're going to cover on the show today. We're going to really drill down on what cancer rehabilitation is, what kinds of programs are available. If you're a survivor, what you should be asking for at your hospital or at your, uh, uh, at your cancer center. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take, a, take a, uh, just a quick break here. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Voices have incredible power. They can provide much needed comfort or bring a person to tears. And when you have a rare blood cancer, the voices of others who share similar experiences can be uplifting. 
That's one of the goals of Voices of MPN, a program developed by Insight Corporation and supported by MPN advocacy groups to promote greater awareness of myeloproliferative neoplasms, or MPNs. This initiative shines a light on these rare conditions to encourage unity, connection, and support. The cornerstone of the program is a website, www.voicesofmpn.com, that offers information, resources, and ideas for community engagement activities. Through the Voices of MPN campaign, you can also acknowledge individuals and organizations who have elevated MPN care by nominating them for MPN Heroes recognition. Or you may choose to post pictures or a few sentences about an individual or organization on the wall of Voices. Visit www.mpnheroes.com to learn more. Raise your voice, nominate your heroes, and join Insight in promoting awareness of MPNs today. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Kim Tibaldo, we're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored in part today by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, and Onyx. We're here today with Jeannie Samard, an expert in cancer rehabilitation. She is a nurse by background and training. Uh, in our last segment, we talked about what cancer rehabilitation is and uh, who it benefits. In the next part of the show, we want to dive in to some more details uh, about how uh, cancer rehab works and really get a better understanding of what it is that, uh, that we're talking about. Jeannie, um, is it really, is it possible to recover uh, after cancer treatment fully? Is it possible to feel like uh, your old self again, or are we talking about accepting what some folks refer to as a quote-unquote new normal, that you are going to have a new reality post-treatment, and, and is part of what cancer rehab does, is it, does it help you adjust to that new normal? Tim, it's, um, it's, that new normal expression is, is one that um, is difficult to hear. I, for me, and I'm not a cancer survivor, so I can't only imagine as a survivor being told that. And, you know, I'm here to tell you that it, it absolutely is possible. Um, and, and I won't say that every patient can come completely back to their precancer state, but mm-hmm. it is possible to recover after treatment and feel like your old self. And, in fact, we have seen some survivors that, that may have had some undetected physical problems prior to their cancer diagnosis or who are not just in the best of shape. Um, you know, they just weren't physically taking good care of themselves prior to their diagnosis. And given the right care during their treatment and post-treatment, it's not. I mean, we have seen patients surpass their pre-cancer physical state. And, you know, cancer rehabilitation really can begin right after the time of diagnosis with patients being screened for impairments. And then screened again at the end of their treatment and follow-up care. So, you know, one of the things that I've heard um, a therapist say is when we can identify these patients early and 
not wait for them to get into that valley of both emotional despair but physical despair. They Mm -hmm. really can, you know, treat the patient and and bring them um, back to a much better state. So, are, so are you? Are, are we? Are we talking in with some patients about the uh, the, the quote unquote uh, converted? I mean, when you talk about the fact that some patients even even push and, and uh, beyond and feel better uh, than they did. I mean, are, is there an element to the fact that cancer can can be, let's say, a little bit of a wake up call about about lifestyle choices, about maybe a heightened level of awareness about what we're eating, about our level of physical activity. Um, is that the kind of kind of change that you're you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely, and and I think um, and the reason I kind of responded as I did about that new normal is that you know many survivors um, they're so grateful that they've survived cancer, but they are not happy to be told to accept their new normal. And by mm-hmm. aging them in programs like this, they can learn things that they didn't know before, and they do tend to take better care of themselves through their diet and their exercise, as well as treating things that they maybe weren't aware of before. So there really is an answer, and I think the great news is they don't have to accept that new normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's probably good news for some of our for some of our listeners. And, you know, and I'll have to add that I think that it's why for us at the cancer support community, I mean, I think there's some folks who have, have, a, have, have a myth and think that all we do are sort of support groups and that folks sit around and talk about that. I mean, we, you know, we're doing... We're doing yoga, we're doing tai chi, we're doing qigong, we're doing exercise classes, cooking classes, nutrition classes, gentle movement, you know, so many of those types of things that help people um, get to a place where they are feeling better and, and, and uh, setting some goals towards achieving, uh, towards achieving wellness. So I think that sort of comprehensive and integrative uh, approach is, um, is, is so important. Uh, Jeannie, let's, let, let's drill down um, a little bit so that we can help our listeners better understand what cancer rehab does. Can you give us an example or a couple of examples of, you know, what is it, what is a, um, you know, give us an example of a cancer treatment, what impact or let's say impairment it could cause for the patient, and then how cancer rehab can help them get that path back to wellness? Sure. There really are a variety of different treatment-related conditions and associated symptoms that come along with that. And, and some of those just high level would be things like pain and weakness, fatigue, they can have shoulder problems, balance and gait problems, even memory and, and concentration issues and swallowing and speech issues. And so I'll, I'll talk about two um, actual cases. One would mm-hmm. be a, a, a breast cancer survivor and and how she benefited from cancer rehab. Um, this was someone who, you know, after their treatment had something that's called lymphedema, which is swelling oftentimes in their affected side if they, let's say, had a, you know, a right side um, mastectomy. And she also had pain from some um, nerve damage that occurred in her hand from her chemotherapy. And she had problems driving because of some of these physical issues. And so she was seen by a physiatrist. She had some studies done to really assess the nerve damage um, that was done. And she was treated by a physical therapist to help reduce the swelling from the lymphedema, and an occupational therapist actually worked with her to have a custom hand splint made and some adaptive equipment like voice-activated computer software that allowed her to send emails without having to use a keyboard while she was healing. And I mean, this was an actual case, and cancer rehab helped resolve the disability she had, and she's actually now driving, and she was able to return to work. 
So that's, you know, one example mm-hmm. of some of the yeah. impairments that people oftentimes, including, sadly, but including healthcare professionals, you know, don't understand that these are things that if you sent them to rehabilitation, they might be able to get help to, um, you know, type again and, and drive again. And, you know, another case is a, a gentleman. So wait, I just had... want to stop for one second because I think it's such an important point because I think what you're suggesting is that perhaps folks are living with symptoms, side effects, limitations that they don't necessarily have to have to live with. I mean, I think one of the things we want to do on the show today is make sure we raise awareness of these uh, rehab programs that we're going to talk about where they are and how patients access them and how they're paid for and all of that. But I think it's so important um, that our listeners, you know, be aware of the fact that, that um, you know, that, that uh, you may be having some limitations that you're not even aware of or maybe you're living with things that are impacting your daily quality of life and, and it's important to, to, to raise these issues because there may very well be some rehab for you, be some, some, you know, be some options out there for you to help, uh, you know, on a path towards improvement and towards better wellness. And, Kim, I think your point's so well taken, and I appreciate you stopping because it's so important as a survivor or a support person to a survivor to not assume that your healthcare team is going to make this connection. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. people sometimes feel guilty. You know, I survived. I don't want to tell my doctor that I'm having this issue. So sometimes they won't bring the issue forward, but they may also bring it forward and be told, well, this is just something you need to live with because it's not uncommon yeah. that an oncologist isn't thinking about rehabilitation. Rehabilitation. So, you know, being aware of it and advocating and saying, you know, I'd like to be evaluated because I'm having this right. issue. Right. It's really important. And their job is really to get rid of their cancer. And so if, they got, if, if the cancer's gone, you know, that's the victory for the oncologist, right? That that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's their, their, their piece in this. But I hear you in terms of particularly, I think, maybe generational, perhaps an older generation, they don't want to sort of, you know, rock the boat. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they want to keep, they want to keep a good relationship. They don't want to seem as if they're complaining. And so they'll just sort of suffer in silence a little bit when they actually don't need to do that. Right. Jeannie, I think you had another example you wanted to share. Sure. I was just going to share about a gentleman with head and neck cancer. And mm, that's a uh, tough one. He, he had actually stopped driving during his treatment, which is common for this type of cancer because they you know, can't fully turn their head. There's, you know, oftentimes they have loss of range of motion, and that would be unsafe to drive. Yeah. Um, and this gentleman was um, referred to see a physiatrist, and... Um, the physiatrist gave them medication to decrease the pain that he was having, and, and he was having muscle spasms in his neck. And then a physical therapist actually, you know, did therapeutic exercise to help mobilize the soft tissue in his neck. And then the occupational therapist worked with him to get adaptive equipment on his car, like larger mirrors and sensors when he was mm. um, backing up and changing lanes. And, mm. you know, I, I actually had the opportunity to... Um, meet this gentleman, and he was walking in for his physical therapy treatment. And I said, you know, how are you? And he said, it is a lovely day. He said, <sighs> mm-hmm. six months ago, it was in the middle of winter, and I couldn't leave my home. I was a prisoner in my home. I couldn't drive. I couldn't. I just couldn't even think about getting myself to my physical therapy appointment. And he said, today when my wife says I have a honey-do list and it has to do with doing yard work, I'm happy about getting that honey-do list because he now lives his life. And uh, I just, he was so cute and so 
happy to be alive and so thankful for his rehab uh, therapy that he received. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Um, Jeannie, I've only got about a minute here till the break, but I just want to ask you quickly about uh, cognitive issues, brain issues uh, that come along with a patient's ability to, to focus and, and, uh, and memory issues. Yeah. And we, we hear from patients it's often a, a, you know, a side effect and sometimes can even be a longer-term side effect of, uh, of treatment. Oftentimes it's called chemo brain. Are there cancer rehab activities or exercises that can help with that? Absolutely. In fact, chemo brain has not been clearly understood for many yeah. years. And, um, you know, people felt as though they were in a fog and they couldn't remember things and they couldn't learn new things. And just like someone with a concussion, there are strategies that can be provided. The occupational therapist can work with them to provide tools and techniques to better manage their daily activities. And, um, you know, certainly some patients, it's embarrassing and they become withdrawn from it. Um, it can happens from certain drugs that they take um, or just their cancer and the way it's impacting their brain. But um, there absolutely are occupational therapy type of techniques um, that can be given to patients. And while they may still deal with some of the issues, they now have tools that they can use to be able to function on a daily basis more independently. Fantastic, fantastic. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about cancer rehabilitation, some of the uh, rehabilitation programs that are available as patients are making the transition from being a patient to being a survivor, many issues that folks uh, uh, struggle with during that uh, transition, but they, they don't need to struggle with because we've got some great rehabilitation experts that are out there. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Jeannie, when we come back, I want to talk about some of the social and emotional issues uh, uh, post-treatment and then really drill down on what a rehab program looks like at perhaps my hospital or my cancer center. Uh, this is Kim Tibaldo. We're, uh, we're talking about cancer rehab today. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. 
Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is uh, sponsored in part by AstraZeneca, Millennium, and Purdue Pharma. So far, we've talked about what cancer rehab is, uh, sort of the origins of it and how it can help cancer survivors with uh, with post-treatment challenges. Um, Our guest today is Jeannie Samard. She's an expert in cancer rehabilitation. Jeannie, in our last uh, segment, we were talking primarily about some of the physical uh, issues and cognitive and brain and focus issues that patients deal with through and, and, and beyond um, treatment. I just want to talk for a minute about how cancer rehab can help with the so- social and emotional uh, issues post-treatment. Um, what would you say are some of the sources of emotional distress among uh, cancer survivors and what elements of, of rehab are available to help patients sort of through and beyond that? Tim, it's it's not uncommon that cancer survivors are faced with social and emotional distress, both at the time of diagnosis, during and after their treatment, and um, they may have physical, psychological, social, and even spiritual issues that that interfere with their ability to cope, you know, with with their diagnosis, with their symptoms, or the treatments um, that they are receiving, and, and even after their care, and the cause of that distress can come from a number of different things. You know, I think you mentioned it earlier, the fear of reoccurrence of their cancer, financial stressors that are placed you know, on them because of the, the financial burden of their care and or their inability to work, um, their inability to participate in things with their family, yeah. their inability to drive. And, um, but, the, you know, the interesting thing, the scientific evidence um, has shown that the greatest contributing factor to these emotional stressors are these physical impairments. And, you know, that, that the physical impairments are truly impacting their quality of life. And so it's, it's so important for there to be good communication between the survivor and their healthcare team to, to achieve the best healing. And that's whether it's getting psychosocial support from a therapist. Um, but, there, you know, there are services available to support not only the treatment um, itself, but the psychosocial and spiritual issues. And 
um, you know, there are tools that the survivors can use to ease their stress. There are yes. um, there are actually groups, you know, that come together for, and I know you mentioned that earlier, different support groups that are available to help. And, yeah. um, you know, we we encourage patients to become very involved in their care with, with different things, like making a list of questions to take to their appointments and make sure they discuss their issues with the healthcare team and that they write down those answers because it is such a stressful time that, you know, oftentimes they, they don't hear what's being said. So there's just different strategies that can be employed to, to help sure. support the emotional as well as the physical. Sure, sure, absolutely. And I, you know, obviously got to have to give a plug for our own programs at CSC. We've got centers around the country where we're addressing these issues, a helpline, an online community to help with the, the social and emotional issues kind of throughout and beyond uh, treatment. And we have a great program, Jeannie, called um, Open to Options, where you can get on the phone with one of our counselors to help with decision-making. Um, and so I think, you know, again, some of those strategies. And, and also it's a matter of, of, of putting your own preferences and priorities and values forward. You know, not every, you know, not every cancer survivor or patient is the same. And uh, sometimes, you know, with the clinical data, folks get put into a box. But I think it's important that we create an environment where patients can put their own preferences and values forward, get to a place of true patient-centered care where the patient is at the center of his or her care and, and uh, is, you know, driving the choices that, that uh, make the most sense for them. So, you know, I think all of those elements are certainly important in the process. Um, Jeannie, I want to I drill down a little bit, again, for folks who are listening today, um, you know, thinking, how do I get how do I get one of these rehab programs? You know, how can survivors get referred for cancer rehab? At what stage of their care should they start to, to you know to um, to ask about it? Are these programs available at all hospitals? Only at a limited number of hospitals? I mean, I want to I want to get folks directed to where they can access some of these services. So I think as far as you know, how can a, sur- a survivor get uh, re- referred and have access? Um, you know what. What I would say is that if they're having problems that they didn't have before their diagnosis, especially if they're interfering with their ability to function or with their quality of life, then they would be a candidate for cancer rehab. And this can happen, you know, for some patients immediately at the time of diagnosis to be referred by their physician if if there are impairments or psychosocial issues that they're having right then at the time of um, diagnosis or during cancer care. I would say most patients enter into cancer rehab treatments, um, you know, either during their course of treatment when symptoms are um, presenting or upon completion of their acute care treatment. And it depends on the, the symptoms and the experience they're having, but their physician can make a referral for an evaluation um, by the rehabilitation team at any point along their, their course of, of cancer care. And are these programs, obviously this is something that's going to be important for folks to ask, but are these programs typically covered by um, insurance? How are they paid for? So insurance should cover the costs if we are talking about truly treating physical impairments by a professional with a healthcare degree and a license, um, you know, in this area of rehabilitation medicine. And, you know, again, it would be treatments by physiatrists, physical and occupational therapists, and speech therapists, um, mental health care professionals. Um, you know, it's if we're talking about that program that you were describing, you know, sending someone to the gym for exercise, insurance does not cover that care because mm-hmm. it is not being seen by a professional. But if you think about Medicare and private insurance, 
just as they would pay for physical therapy or occupational therapy if you had a stroke or you had a hip replacement, um, the, it's the impairment that's being treated, not the diagnosis that they're reimbursing for. So as long as that impairment is clearly identified and documented by the professional and the care is being given, um, you know, more often we find that it, it is being reimbursed. And as with any insurance issues, you know, we suggest that um, people check with their carrier about their deductibles and co-pays. But we have, in all of the, you know, programs that we have, we do not hear that reimbursement has been an issue for patients. Got it. I, th- I think that's good to know. I think those are important issues. Um, Jeannie, you and your colleagues have developed a program called the STAR uh, program. Um, it, it, you call it a multidisciplinary uh, program. Can you take a couple minutes to tell us about that program? How, how is it multidisciplinary? What does that mean? What kinds of professionals will survivors work with? What's the kind of range of care that's provided? Mm-hmm. So the STAR program, is it, it's really working with hospitals um, to establish a cancer rehab service line, and it is comprised of a multidisciplinary team coming together to help improve the patient's outcomes. And, and the reason multidisciplinary is so important, I think that it would be easy to think this is a rehabilitation program and so it just affects the rehab professionals. But if the oncology team and the um, other healthcare professionals like the nutritionists and the caseworkers and the um, social workers and the psychologists and the oncologists, if they were not aware, as I was describing earlier, if they are not aware of these issues, and they're not screening the survivors for those, then the survivors never find their way to the rehab department. And because, you know, we don't just show up at the rehab department on our own. We have to be referred. And so it's so important to have the entire team working together. And it's it's so rewarding for us because it is not uncommon that we hear um, and are, you know, sitting with some of our teams and they say, you know, we've had all of these components in our hospital. We've had a rehab team. We have our oncology team. We have, you know, social service. But we've never really come together with a common language, and, and that's what we provide them. We provide them a very common education and language and then evidence-based tools and protocols to establish the cancer service line to make sure that patients don't fall through the cracks and that everyone that the patient may interface with along the care continuum is aware of cancer rehab and aware of these impairments and making sure they find their way to the rehab department. So are you are you guys implementing STAR programs at, at, at hospitals, at, at, at cancer centers? I mean, is this emerging as sort of a, a gold standard of, of, uh, of rehabilitation care? How can, how can patients, uh, you know, find out more and, again, learn what's really what's available to them? Sure. It, it is becoming a, a wonderful and best practice standard of care, which is exciting to us because we're treating so many patients. And it is being adopted by hospitals and cancer centers across the country. Some rehabilitation um, clinics that support those hospitals as well have done it independently, but predominantly it's happening, you know, across a cancer center and a hospital and their rehab department. And the STAR program is currently in over 500 locations um, across 40 states, well, more than 40 states now, actually. And we, we just did an exciting program where we were tracking um, how many survivors were accessing care through the STAR program. And when we started this, 
we annualized and saw there were probably 4,000 um, survivors that were receiving care. And over a number of um, months, maybe a four-month period after we worked with the programs, we found we're on a trajectory to treat almost 8,000 cancer survivors through through the program. So, you know, we are so excited to be doing our part and helping support our programs to, that's um, great. to close the gap. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Jeannie, we've only got a minute or two till our break here, but just, just talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, again, when the patient should be asking about this and is there sort of a assessment or screening so that a, a customized plan can be set up for that patient? So, so they should be asking for this when, um, and, and our hope is that the, here's our hope, that they never have to ask for it, that the healthcare mm-hmm. team is actually assessing them with, we provide screening tools for the team to use. But if, if a patient ever has problems that they didn't have before their diagnosis that were interfering, you know, with their ability to function, um, and, you know, having pain, having sleep issues, mm-hmm. having chronic fatigue, um, those are the kinds of things to bring to their healthcare teams. Okay. Um, awareness and our programs are actually screening their patients for it, so they don't have to self-identify. Got it. Got it. No, I think that's, I think that's good to know. And yeah, I mean, I think we're all trying to get to the place where these, uh, you know, these kinds of practices do become standard of care uh, for all uh, for all cancer patients. But I know right now they're not. So in the meantime, for our listeners, I want folks to know that these programs exist. And if it's not being offered to you, you should ask about what services, what rehabilitation services there are where you're being treated. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about life uh, after treatment, making the transition from patient to survivor, and what type types of cancer rehabilitation programs uh, exist to help you make that transition. We're going to take a quick break here. We're getting to the end of the show, but don't, uh, don't leave us just yet. We have a little bit more to talk about. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Voices have incredible power. They can provide much needed comfort or bring a person to tears. And when you have a rare blood cancer, the voices of others who share similar experiences can be uplifting. That's one of the goals of Voices of MPN, a program developed by Insight Corporation and supported by MPN advocacy groups to promote greater awareness of myeloproliferative neoplasms, or MPNs. This initiative shines a light on these rare conditions to encourage unity, 
connection, and support. The cornerstone of the program is a website, www.voicesofmpn.com, that offers information, resources, and ideas for community engagement activities. Through the Voices of MPN campaign, you can also acknowledge individuals and organizations who have elevated MPN care by nominating them for MPN Heroes recognition. Or you may choose to post pictures or a few sentences about an individual or organization on the wall of voices. Visit www.mpnheroes.com to learn more. Raise your voice, nominate your heroes, and join insight in promoting awareness of MPNs today. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. We're coming to the end of our show on cancer rehabilitation. Our show is sponsored in part today by uh, McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Morphotech. If you're going through cancer treatment now, you may want to pay, pay close attention to this next section to learn how you can begin to incorporate elements of cancer rehabilitation uh, into your care plan now. We're really having a great discussion with Jeannie Samard. She's a reg- registered nurse. She's got a clinical background in cancer rehabilitation and critical care, and she's giving us some great advice today on how to access cancer rehabilitation programs as you make the transition from being a cancer patient to being a cancer survivor. Uh, Jeannie, the STAR program that we were talking about in the last segment, the program that you and your colleagues developed, also encompasses cancer prehabilitation, P-R-E, prehabilitation. What, what is that? What is prehabilitation? Well, prehabilitation is actually fast becoming a new standard of care. It's widely practiced in places like the U.K. and in Canada, but in the U.S. it is um, emerging. And it actually begins before you would start your cancer treatment. And um, it would include having evaluations done and providing strategies to really establish a baseline for the patient and then um, improve any pain or functional limitations they might be having um, before their treatment starts. And even if they're not experiencing any limitations at the time of diagnosis, oftentimes it will help to prepare them for the the challenges that are associated with their upcoming treatment. And Dr. Silver, um, one of our co-founders, always says it's like giving them an umbrella before they go into the storm. Mm-hmm. And our, our uh, STAR program prehab is, um, it's a, a prehab program that is based on research studies, and it helps identify strategies to improve health um, before the cancer care begins. And, you know, we know that waiting for cancer treatment to begin can be one of the hardest parts of this mm-hmm. cancer journey. And it, it seems like you're in a holding pattern until you have that first mm-hmm. treatment. And prehab can really prepare the patient to enter treatment functioning at the highest possible level they can. Give us some examples, Jeannie, if you would, of some strategies that, uh, that encompass uh, prehab. What, t- what types of activities and, and efforts are we talking about here? So, um, you know, one could be uh, with prostate cancer, and it is, um, you know, one of the postoperative side effects that can happen is incontinence for men, which is truly uh, you know, a debilitating side effect for mm. anyone. But one of the prehab strategies that can occur is prior to surgery, 
having a few physical therapy um, appointments where they learn, women would know this as Kegel exercises, but learning to identify those muscles that will be affected um, before the surgery begins and learning exercises so that after their surgery, they can do those exercises, they know what it feels like, and they're able to, um, the, the research shows, definitely decrease um, incontinence post-prostate surgery. So that's one example. Um, there are another, you know, a, a number of them. Another one I would tell you would be on smoking cessation. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, before having surgery, it's been found that even if for two weeks before someone undergoes surgery, if they are able to stop smoking, um, it will improve their functioning after, you know, through the surgery and after the surgery. So those are just two you know, quick examples of prehabilitation. And so um, is pre, we talked about the fact that most um, rehabilitation, post-treatment rehabilitation is covered by most uh, cancers. Are some of these pre-habilitation uh, activities also covered by um, insurance? And do these activities impact or potentially delay a patient's treatment schedule? So, you know, one thing I would say is we would never recommend delaying treatment just to fit prehab in. Okay. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely would depend on um, is there time. And, and I would say it's not uncommon that from the time of diagnosis until let's just say it is scheduling surgery with a patient that maybe has lung cancer. So, you know, by the time they've gotten this diagnosis, they're maybe getting different um, testing done and getting on the surgery schedule, there is time um, to enter into a smoking cessation class. And you know, many third-party pay- payers reimburse for smoking cessation and counseling, including Medicare. Mm-hmm. So that would, you know, would definitely be uh, a covered um, prehabilitation. And we have also found with the um, pre uh, prehab for prostate patients that getting those exercises is a covered service. So it, it just, again, depends on working with their carrier on this. Jeannie, is there a place where consumers can go to get more information about cancer rehab and about the the STAR program? Sure. For more information on the STAR program and to find a location near you, go to www.oncologyrehabpartners.com. That's www.oncologyre. H-A-B-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S dot com. And in the survivors section, you can actually enter your zip code and find a program that is uh, in the closest location near to you. I also have a YouTube um, video on defining what is cancer prehab because it is such a new area of medicine. So they can look on YouTube under what is cancer prehab. So it could be that the oncology rehab program is at a place other than my hospital or cancer center, other than where I'm being treated. Yes. In fact, the patient may be actually receiving, and this is one of the beautiful things and why we have so many locations, they may be getting their cancer treatment at, you know, a downtown medical center, but they live in the suburbs. Yes. And if their rehab department has a satellite office out in the suburbs, they they don't need to drive back downtown for their rehab care. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So could be there could be a much more convenient location, and you can search that online. Correct. Correct. Wonderful, 
Jeannie, this has been such a great uh, conversation. I want to I want to thank you for for coming on the show today. We're so many conversations happening about patient centered care and about um, uh, how patients can find uh, the road to wellness, kind of with through and beyond. Uh, the cancer experience, so I think it's heartening for patients to know that not only are we working on and making advances in uh, the diagnosis and treatment of cancer, that we're making great strides in caring for the patient through and beyond the cancer experience, their physical, uh, psychosocial, emotional, financial issues, all of the other issues that patients face aside from the medical issues that they're dealing with, the cancer diagnosis and the uh, examples that you've provided about the importance of oncology rehab um, only, you know, reinforce this uh, this emerging trend towards patient-centered care. So I appreciate you coming on the show today, informing our listeners about the important role cancer rehabilitation can play in life after uh, after uh, cancer treatment. I want to end our show today with a with a quote from a member of our cancer support community, uh, cancer experience registry. The quote says, "Don't judge whether or not you're doing well or having a good day by comparing it to how you used to feel. You will eventually feel better, but for now, better is whatever you can get and wherever you can get." And I think that, that that sort of reinforces the fact that everyone needs to go at their own pace. And I think to your point, uh, 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 Jeannie, we're even seeing folks who are feeling better um, and stronger after cancer treatment and rehabilitation than they did perhaps uh, even before the cancer diagnosis. And they're finding, uh, you know, kind of a new strength and a new path and, and some lifestyle changes that may even lead them to a better pace, uh, place. If, if you are a cancer survivor listening to the show, you want to share your own stories, uh, uh, visit us online at www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. It's a cancer survivor registry. You can share your story and connect with others who are going through a similar journey. Um, We've got a range of free programs and services for people with all cancers at all stages of, of their disease, so please give us a call at Cancer Support Community. The number is 888-793-9355, or you can visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. I want to thank Jeannie again for joining us. It was a, a great show today here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. <music>